You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hi, family. Glad you're here with us this morning. So excited to be with you. Uh, We are in this series called One Big Story, and I'm enjoying this. And I want to go back before we kind of get into this week's stuff. It's important for us to kind of catch the progression, the narrative that's happening here so that we can make sure we don't lose what God's up to in the world just because of the individual pieces. We can start getting mired down into the pieces and lose the bigger picture, okay? So Genesis 1, God is good. He's not mad. God is good and he made you? You need, when you say that, you need to do this. When you look at yourself in the mirror during your positive affirmation moments in the morning. It's what you are. Like you can fight that, but it's true. It's true. You're amazing. God made you full of potential. And, and the problem is, for us, there's all these voices that compete for the attention that we should give to God alone. And so when we listen to the voices, that causes shame. And the shame causes us to get stuck in this cycle of reoffense where we, we keep sinning because of shame. So the way, the way to stop sinning isn't to be shamed about your sin. It's actually to get over the shame. The way to stop sinning is to reaffirm the truth of what God says you are. That's how we stop it. Like, and a lot of people are like, no, you need to know where you're wrong. Really? Because every time that you try to make me own where I'm wrong, guess what you did? You stuck me in a cycle of reoffense. So I don't, you don't need to tell me I'm wrong. I already know that. What you need to tell me is how God sees me. That's what I need to know. That's what I need to know. In Abraham, God finds a guy that will trust him. And so God comes to him and he gives him a promise that the whole world is going to be blessed through Abraham's family. That's an amazing promise. But remember that his promise to Abraham was to make his name great, but not so that Abraham's name could be great. He promised to make God's name great so that he could be a blessing conduit right? A conduit of God's blessing to the people around him. Now, the interesting thing about that is we're working on a worship song. Remember that? Blessing conduit. Not a strong worship word, conduit, but we'll figure it out. I hear something that's funny. Somebody, I don't even know who it was, sent me a text message with synonyms of the word conduit. (laughs) I was like, that's awesome. But they're not better. They're like gutter and trenchway. I mean, it's it's like (laughs) blessing trenchway, you know. It's not better. Conduit's better, (laughs) I think. I think conduit's better. Anyway, so last week, Marty preached probably one of the top four sermons ever in the history of real life on the Palouse. It was just amazing, right? And I, I like, I listen to Marty go and I watch how the spirit of God uses him and I'm like, dang, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be in this moment where I get to watch someone do exactly what you made them for. Like, there's no question about that, right, with him. So I love it. I love it. And he talked about how in the book of Judges and really throughout the Old Testament and really it's your and I's story, there's this cycle that happens. And as much as you want it to be about you, as much as you love you some you, it's not about your sin. It's not about you. The cycle isn't so much about our sin driving the story. The cycle is about the testimony to God's limitless patience for us. 
that no matter what we do, God keeps loving us back. He keeps loving us back. He keeps loving us back. He keeps loving us back. And when we're like, God, what? Like, just give up on me. And he's like, I, I can't. Like, I, it's not in my nature. Every time he looks at you, he's like, oh, my me. You are amazing. That's what he says. That's what God says. Oh, my me. Uh, that's what God says. Like, he can't. Limitless patience for us. Limitless patience for us. Limitless like we need to hear that again and again and again, right? Now wonder, what if there was a way that we could kind of live at the top of that cycle in the, in the place where at the 12 o'clock of that cycle where um, we're at peace with God? What if we could just live there? Like what if we didn't have to go become enslaved? What if we didn't have to go through this process of getting beat up? What if we didn't have to do that? What if there was a way for us to just perpetually live at peace with God? What if that was possible? I got good news. God made a way. He sent his son Jesus as a model for us to follow. And that's what our Life for Kids is going to be talking about this week, is that Jesus comes as a model for what it means for us to walk the path. If there was ever a way for you and I to simply just live at peace with God, all we have to do is just live like Jesus. Yes. It, like, it's real simple. It's not easy, but it's real simple. <laughs> we try to make it complex. It's not complex. This isn't complex. It's simple, right. right? And you gotta keep it simple. It's like this. The Old Testament idea is that God gives you a path and then asks you to walk it. So he lays a path out for you and he asks you to walk it. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, your word, it's a lamp into my feet and a light to my path. Like God's word shows us the path, right? Now here's the thing to think about. John 1 says that Jesus is the living word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Like Jesus is our example. He's the one that shows us how to walk the path. And it's so funny to me because for you and I, like the, we, wa we have this path that we want to walk. Sin is if this is the path, we do this. That's sin. So repentance isn't so much a turning away from sin because your sin isn't what tells the tale. Sin, repentance is returning to the path. That's shuvah, the, the Hebrew word for repentance means to turn towards something, not turn away from it. And if you're a counselor, you know this, like you can't un-something. So repentance can't be unsinning. Right. It can't, that doesn't work. Oh, you're sinning? Stop it. Oh, well, okay. Like, <laughs> I'm a moron if it's that easy, right? Like, no, this is the path. Sin is this. Repentance is this, right? It's not, it's not hard. It's not complicated. God is saying, hey, walk the path. And you're like, I don't know how to walk the path. I got a great idea. Jesus is your model. Like, do what Jesus did. What, what a lot of us will do is we get on the path and then we come over here and we're like, and Jesus is like, hey, hey, walk the path. And we're like, no. Do you see how far I've come? Now, here's the thing. 
I'm really messed up. Here's the thing, God knows, that God knows that you've really messed up. Guess what he says? He says, yep, you did. Like what we want to do is for God to go, oh, it's not that bad. Like God's not sugarcoating your mistakes. He's like, yeah, you blew it. Look at you. You're a mess. Walk the path. You're really, but you're like, but I'm really, man, man, look, at, look I'm, I'm so far away from the path. He's like, yep, walk the path. Yeah, walk it. Yeah, but I've really blown it. And Jesus is over here going, hey. <laughs> like, what some of us will do is this. We're like, okay, I'll come back to the path, but I ain't walking it. And what we do is we're like, I know all about the path. I can tell you where the path is headed. I can tell you all about the path, but I won't walk it. Listen, listen. Insufficient Christianity. I want to read a story for you out of Matthew chapter 7 that I think is really important. Now, we're going we're gonna to jump ahead, um, and later on in the summer, we're actually going to do a sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. And um, so we're going to do that. Then we're going to touch this passage again and really pull it apart. But I want to read this for you because it's actually really a good story that Jesus tells. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, if you're taking notes, circle the next three words. And does them. See, the problem for most of us is that we know way more about Christianity than we're already doing. Like, we don't need to learn more about our faith. We don't need to know more about Jesus. We don't have to get things figured out. What we need to do is walk the path that we already know we're supposed to walk. Most of us just aren't even doing that. Just walk the path you know you're supposed to. Like, will you learn more? Yep, you will. Because guess what? When you're moving in a journey, the scenery changes. If no scenery is changing in your journey, something's radically wrong with your walk. That's called standing. <laughs> like if you go on vacation, if you get all your kids in the car, all your luggage, and two hours later you're still looking at the driveway of your house, <laughs> something's wrong, scenery changes. So do we need to learn more? Yep, yep, we do. But for now, you already know everything you need to know to walk the path. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Now, I love this because the house built on the rock isn't vo doesn't avoid the storm. It survives it. Yes. It doesn't avoid the storm. Like, following Jesus, there's no promise that, like, hey, life's going to be grand. Look at us, hunky-dory, nothing to work on. Happy little life. <laughs> it's, not, it's not how it's going to go. The floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I, I love that statement. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching it as, them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Now, here's the thing. There's all kinds of cool things about this story. We'll talk about that more later on, um, about September. We'll be talking about that more. But uh, I, what I love about this is Jesus says, hey, I taught you some things. Do the things I taught you. Like his message never wavers. So that's at the beginning of his ministry. Look at this message to his guys at the end of his ministry in John 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
Boy, that sounds super hard, super complex. No, it's really simple. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, the next phrase in verse 17 there is the spirit of truth. Who's the helper that he sends you? The Holy Spirit. What I love about this is that this makes things so easy for you and I. It really makes it easy, not just simple, but easy. Let me tell you a story. And I'm sharing this story with permission because I'm trying to be more sensitive to my children. Like before I just share with you their life, um, I try to ask permission first because apparently I've said some things that embarrass my kids. <laughs> no, I like, that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. Uh, so, uh, three, four years ago, my, my oldest daughter, Carter, uh, who I am just so in love with her, she was up here singing. Like there was a moment, I had to keep my eyes shut during worship, but there was this moment where I looked up at her singing and I was like, I cannot. I, just every time I watch her worshiping the Lord, I just weep. So I close my eyes back. She's just beautiful. She's just beautiful. Uh, a couple years ago, she didn't know where she was at with the Lord. And, and I get it, like every, every single one of us, I wish, I wish that it was possible for my children to live vicariously through my faith. I wish that they got into heaven on my faith. I do, but they don't, they have to find their own. And it's one of the hardest things about being a parent is watching our kids find their own faith. Like it's really hard. And, and I, as I watched her fumbling in her faith and like having some conversations with people that were struggling. Like we did, we did what every good parent would do and we sent her to the other side of the country. <laughs> you gotta get out of here. Um, this place is killing you. So we sent her to college in Charleston, South Carolina, for real, true story. Now, here's the other thing you need to know. Like, Carter's our oldest, and I just, I, she's amazingly graceful with us. But every new stage of parenting is like, it's an experiment with her. By the time we get to our third and fourth kids, we kind of have a general direction of where we want to do things, right? But with her, everything's new. So when she, as she's emerging into adulthood, you know, she's 21 now, like we got to figure out how to parent adults and that's a totally different stage and it's hard and we keep being over-involved. Um, Cause I'm like, no, I, I know the way for you to do this. And she's super awesome, super graceful about it. She was struggling in her faith, and I remember the last day that we were there, we were sitting at a restaurant for lunch, and, and we were having this conversation about just, you know, where are you with God? Where, where are things at? How are you doing? And she was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do with God. I don't know what to do with the Bible. I don't know what to do with what it says. I don't know what to do with some of the ways that I've been treated in the church. Like, I don't know. That, that's where she was at, and that's okay. If that's where you're at, that's okay. It's okay. It's just really hard as a parent to listen to my child be there. And so I was like, and I really wanted to say something awesome, like something sage, right? Something full of wisdom. Yeah. He wasn't there. I wish he would have been. He would have. Even when he says dumb stuff, the way he says it just, just sounds so, well, you know, it's like, that was the smartest thing I ever heard. Like, it, maybe it wasn't, but it sounds like it was. My dad is amazing that way. 
so I'm, I'm praying. And inside, I'm listening to my daughter talking. Inside, I'm just doing somersaults, right? I'm just topsy-turvy inside. On the outside, I'm like, mm. Yeah, but on the inside, it was just really, that's what was going on. And so I was just talking with the Lord, um, which is really interesting because I'm not a good multitasker, so I can't usually talk to God and to someone else at the same time, which is typically not great when you're counseling somebody, but you kind of want to be dialed in. But I, I wanted to say something to her that would matter, and so... Uh, here's what I said to her. I said, Carter, I I know that you have lots of questions and that's okay. It has to be. But when you're in doubt, when you don't know what to do, act like Jesus. You'll never go wrong if you just act like Jesus. Like regardless of where you stand with the Bible, regardless of where you stand with God, any of that other stuff, when you're in doubt, just act like Jesus. You'll never go wrong there. Just act like Jesus. And what I thought, what I believed at the time was that when someone stays soft to the things that Jesus would do, it opens their heart up to the, to the Holy Spirit's ability to kind of work on them and keeps them favorable to the gospel, right? It's when we start acting in a selfish way and not caring about what anybody else thinks. That's when we get hard-hearted and then like the Holy Spirit's not working on us because we refuse to listen. Not because he's not trying, but because we refuse to listen. But if you'll stay soft, just act like Jesus. Just act like Jesus. You'll never go wrong. What I didn't realize at the time was that this is actually kind of a pretty biblical concept. When you don't know what to do, act like Jesus, right? If you love me, you'll obey what I commanded you. Now think about this for a second. That sounds like really profound and easy, but it's actually pretty complex because sometimes Jesus shows tremendous grace and compassion, and sometimes Jesus flips tables, right? So which one? Which, what, like in this situation, how, because there's no contingency plan for like a lot of the things that we face as people and as parents and as friends, as married couples, there's no, there's nothing really in the Bible that talks directly about it. Like how long should you let your kids play video games? (laughs) Right? What do you do with a cell phone? What do you, there's no conversation in the Bible about my son just came and told me he's struggling with pornography. Like that's like, what do you do with those things? What do you do? with those things. Here's the deal. What I love about the next part of that verse in John 14 is, if you love me, you'll obey me, and I'll ask the Father and he'll send you a helper. So if you get it wrong, if you start going the wrong direction with it, guess what the Holy Spirit does? Write your path. Like, nope, that's not right, you should go this way. That's what I love about, like you have the Holy Spirit working in you so that he can help lead and direct that path. And if you swing too far the other direction, Holy Spirit's like, nope, 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 come back. Come on back. That's what's going on with this verse. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, and God's going to send you a helper to help you figure that out. So just act like Jesus. If you get it wrong, he'll help you. He'll help you get it in there. He'll help you find the groove where you should be. He'll help you. Now, check out this verse, First John. And by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You wanna say that you love Jesus? It's real simple, walk the path. God set a path for you. Walk it. 
walk it. Don't just listen to the teachings. I think, I think the world has had enough of Christians who know lots and lots and lots about God, but when they get outside the four walls of the church, they don't look anything like Jesus, right? Like, don't just listen to the words. Walk the path. Like husbands, eventually you actually have to love your wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Stop pushing your own agenda and love your wife well. If you're like, well, I just, I just can't, I just, I just, she just doesn't love me back. Like, weird. That's not what it says in the Bible. Only do it when she loves you back. What if she doesn't do it for years? It doesn't say do it for five years and then assess. It says love your wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. At least then, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in her heart, you're not keeping her so angry that she won't hear it. Over time, it takes things in the right direction, I promise. I want to give you one more verse, one of, one of my favorite verses. So my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I, I read this one often. It's Jeremiah 6. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And then, only then, not before, not knowing about the path, not understanding the path, not telling other people about the path, not creating devotionals about the path, not reading about the path, not thinking about the path, not praying about the path, walking the path. Only then will you find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. And they didn't say they didn't know it. They knew the path. They just refused to walk it. It's like a husband who comes to church and hears that he should love his wife well and then goes home and yells at her over very little menial issues because he has an anger problem because he won't deal with it because he doesn't want to really walk the path. Like, walk the path. He who hears these words of mine and does them, he or she, is like a wise person who built their house on a rock. It's with that in mind that we're gonna move towards the Lord's table. Um, we take communion every week, and we have an open table. What that means is that anybody who's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us, anybody who's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us, anyone, you have a seat at the table with us. We want you to take it with us, but we want you to hold those elements to the end, and we'll take them all together. Now. Here's the issue that we're facing um, as a church, and it's really a difficult one. We have an implication quota <laughs> in our church, and last week Marty did five. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> taking all the implications. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, but we only have two this week. I want to give you the first implication here. God gave us a clear model of what walking the path looks like in Jesus. Let, let, me, let me tell you guys something. This is 
just true about me. This is a little vulnerability moment here. Um, it doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible if you're not walking it out, right? Like, I'll give you an example. I know way more than the average person about diet and exercise, about fitness. In fact, if you want to get healthy, if you do, I can, I'm going to hook you up. I will give you a plan, a diet plan, an exercise plan. You will lose weight. You will get stronger. You will feel better. I can do that for you. Obviously, I ain't walking that path. Like that's, I'm into fitness. Fitness burrito in my face. That's, <laughs> that's a, the, Emmy told me to wear this today because they're selling the burritos out there. So um, you should buy a burrito and send kids to camp. Amen. Do you see how I worked that plug into the sermon? <laughs> Just because you know the path doesn't mean you're walking it. Right? Just because you know the path doesn't mean you're walking it. God gave us a clear model of a model of what it model, a clear model of what it means to walk the path in Jesus. Which leads me to my second implication. When you don't know what to do. Listen. When you don't know what to do, getting angry and kicking and screaming and yelling and throwing a fit and acting like a toddler is not going to help you. It's not going to help you. When you don't know what to do, act like Jesus. It will never steer you wrong. It will never lead you in a wrong way. When you don't know what to do, act like Jesus. I promise you that will never work against you. Which is a great segue into communion, don't you think? Because the starting place for acting like Jesus is to lay your life down for other people. This reminds us that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you, so whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup is covenant of my blood which is shed for you, so whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to say thanks for this model in Jesus that you gave us. Thanks for not holding out on us. Thanks for just giving us every opportunity to know how we're supposed to walk the path. And so, Lord, this morning I would ask for courage and for grace courage to walk the path and grace when we fail. Lord, give us a community of people that remind us that you still see us as tov mayod, that you still see us as real good. God, thank you for your limitless patience for us. In your name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com. 